life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are so excited to have a guest who is a pro driver. I think this is our first pro driver. It is our first pro driver guest. Billy it's... Johnson is here with us. Billy, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, man. Hi, great to be here. Well, Billy is a pro driver. He's in the World Endurance Championship for the Ford Chip Ganassi Racing Team. And check out his website, billyjohnsonracing.com. I've been actually digging more into this, as a matter of fact, and looking at your wins and your driving career. And I'm just astonished, man. This is fantastic. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're oh, way but... out of our depth here with Billy. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Todd has this story that I, oh, I yeah. think you need to tell. I, sh- as I to should tell how I met Billy. How this all came yes. about, how we're here talking with you now. Yes, because cause let's be honest, Billy is far cooler than we are. And <laughs> yes. and I was, I, you Absolutely. guys have heard me tell the story. You've actually seen the video of when uh, we got hired not to drive the new Ford GT, but just to shoot the new Ford GT for the guys at KBB when they came out to Utah and they needed shooters. So yeah. Chance and I were out there and we were shooting. Uh, actually, Edgar was in as well. It was, it was all hands on deck. We were shooting that. And it was really a very fun day. But I'm very much, and I'm not normally, I'm normally in about three places headspace-wise. I'm mm-hmm. worried about being host, yeah. I'm worried yeah. about being director, and I'm worried about being shooter. On that day, I was just worried about being shooter. I wasn't in yeah, any other right. headspace. It was right. just shoot this on the car. I'd grab chance and be like, make sure we get this kind of drive-by. And I'm aware of what's going on. I know that they're doing hot laps with a pro driver, and I know that journalists are getting in and out of cars, but I'm just fighting for shots. Although I don't think you ever step out of director mode either. I don't really. This is true. You know, because you edited the piece as well, guys. If you haven't seen that, it's the KBB GT, 4GT piece, and Todd edited that as well. I'm very much in that headspace, and I'm not in – I know this sounds weird. I'm not really in talk-to-people mode. (laughs) <laughs> so so between two of the You're just getting stuff done between mode. two of the sessions right uh the the car comes in and billy climbs out now i have no idea who he is i haven't really paid much attention to be honest he walks over and says hi i'm billy johnson and i'm like cool <laughs> and I'm, I'm so much in the head sp- i don't even know that you knew this billy i was so much in the headspace of shooting that i was just like great you're the you're the professional driver. You're clearly You're the, the hot shoe. shoe. That's awesome. <laughs> and so there's like this three or four second beat where I realize Billy's still standing there, smiling, being very nice, <laughs> and he's expecting a response from me that I'm not giving. And I don't know what that response is. And then he follows with, I like your show. <laughs> At which point, my whole headspace comes out of shoot mode. And I was like, holy crap, I do a show, don't I? Oh, my gosh, he's seen it. Oh, wow. So my brain suddenly ramps up and catches up. And then I'm like... Billy, hi. <laughs> so thank you for tolerating my complete just like brain blank moment when you introduced yourself because Billy is an incredibly nice guy and an incredible hot shoe. Watch that piece also because the other thing I have to to- story I have to tell on Billy and then oh, I yes. want to hear from Billy yeah, this is, is funny. <laughs> he hops in the uh, KBB guys, hosts, Carl's, uh, personal 05 Ford GT. Having never driven one. I've heard this story, Billy, And by proceeds the way. to drift it around the track, <laughs> lap number two, probably driving it harder than Carl ever has. Oh, yes. Just casually getting it sideways. You need to watch the KBB piece just to see the kind of hot shoe that Billy is. So, Billy, thank you again for being with us. Oh, well, thank you. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny because uh, when I saw you, I immediately recognized you. And since we haven't met before, I, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to meet you. I wanted to talk to you about your show. I wanted to talk to you about cars. And I'm uh, so really funny. excited to, to be here with you now. Well, I appreciate it. And I, and I love talking with you because we had some really good conversations after that. But, man, my, I was, my brain was coming out of a hole. You introduced yourself. I was like, yeah, and? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what we're talking about, which was great. Of course, we were also in uniform all day because it was just cold enough. That all of us that right, had shown up, we right. had our hoodies from last year's pilgrimage trip. So we're all wearing our everyday driver gear, which was actually not planned. But we look like a little posse of everyday driver folks shooting. Plus, I have crazy hair. So I was easy, easy to see. <laughs> and I couldn't be there that day. I was so bummed. But I did see the footage of Billy drifting the white GT around mm-hmm. the track. Just lap number one, casually. I mean, this is a Tuesday. Was it a Tuesday or Wednesday? It, it, or? Was, it was like a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, why not? Yeah. Tuesday or Thursday. It was one of those. <laughs> exactly. So, Billy, now... Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I kind of want to run high points of resume here. You're involved in uh, Ford Performance products like like Shakedown stuff for both the GT and also the Mustang. Am I right? Yeah, so I was involved with the, the development of the Ford GT streetcar, the Ford GT race car, uh, which both of them were developed at the same time, often on the, the same track, on the same day. 
and getting out of the streetcar, oh hopping in the, the race car. So when uh, when you hear Dave and, and Raj talk about the development of the car happening at the same time, uh, that's not fluff and, and marketing. That's, that's actually true. And I've been fortunate to uh, have the opportunity to be a part of that development, as well as working on cars like the, the GT350, the 350R, uh, the mm. 350RC that uh, Scott Maxwell and I won the championship with in the IMSA Continental Tire Series last year, as well as other race cars like the the new Mustang GT4, Holy cow, uh, the new <laughs> Ford Performance FP350S track car, uh, a little bit on the Focus RS. So yeah, a lot of the, the performance street cars and race cars. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. How often do you get out to Utah, to the track out here for Ford Performance? Is it often or are you just slammed with your racing schedule? Um, I'd say probably a few times a, a year for events like that. And, and also every year for the past seven years, uh, Ford's had me work with the NASCAR drivers to uh, put on a road course clinic to basically shake off the, the rust of all the NASCAR drivers <laughs> to get them back in the rhythm Blow of the cobwebs road out. racing. And, exactly. Gentlemen, we're going to walk the track. This is a right turn. <laughs> Oh man! Well, there's there's the big question that we have to work up to here, but we're going to work up to it. It's about cool stories about racing at Spa. I mean, well, in Le Mans and too. Le Mans too. Yes, yeah. I mean we're going to be there in a we few weeks there, on our sure. pilgrimage tour. We want to hear about this, but let's start out. I mean, just how did you get into racing? I've been, like I said, I've been on your website reading about your resume and looking into everything. I love the articles that you've written. I mean, it kind of relates to our debate, as a matter of fact. But, you know, how did you work your way up? What got you into racing? Were you like me, drawing cars in the walls of your parents' house from the very beginning? <laughs> or were you Matchbox, Hot Wheels? I mean, what started it all? You name it. Uh, when I was an infant, apparently I didn't go to bed unless uh, my grandparents or parents drove me around the block in a car. So that's the only way they could get me to go to sleep. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> nice. And, yeah, you name it. Matchbox, uh, uh, scale model cars, remote control cars. Uh, anything with a motor, I wanted to, to drive it, whether it was a boat, snowmobile, dirt bike. Got my first dirt bike when I was five, and then uh, ended the dirt bikes and got into uh, go-kart racing when I was 13. Okay. And from there, won a scholarship to, to race in the inaugural season of Formula BMW, so that was my transition season into, hmm. uh, into cars themselves. And then just through scholarships, sponsorships, networking, and... Uh, working at the shop on race teams, working on the cars, work, helping uh, install motors, developing suspension, developing cooling systems on the cars, wow. on lower-level teams, just working my way up through the ranks to uh, better teams through good results and uh, and hard work and to start winning races. And now I'm, uh, I have the record for the all-time win in the Inter Continental Fire Series history so yeah, kind of a, a textbook story of uh working the ladder system and and just progressing through uh the career and and now i'm a factory board and multimatic motorsports driver so it's uh definitely a dream come true and, and it's been a long road no kidding wow and we've got great listener questions on all the social media stuff that we'll get to but one person even wrote in and said how early is too early my son's five months old should i consider what should i do here they have to be able point? to sit up on their own that's a good start yeah <laughs> from a five-month-old standpoint you don't want to uh, get caught into the uh little league dad syndrome like you want i, I don't know I'm, I'm not a father myself but i would imagine you want to support your your child and whatever endeavors that that they want to do and uh yeah if they want to be involved in, in motorsports awesome but unless you have really deep pockets uh <laughs> you might want to put them into give them like a, a golf club at five months rather than or a, i don't know <laughs> i hear you no i totally agree uh, we had that question about my son. He's seven, and we had that question about my son a couple of weeks ago, and somebody said, you know, how soon am I going to get him into karting? And I was like, well, how soon am I going to randomly have lots and lots of money to blow? Because exactly. that was the bigger question. It was not the lack of interest. It was lack of funds. <laughs> exactly. Racing is so, so expensive, and I come from humble beginnings through uh, uh, through my background, but my parents supported me as much as they could, but uh, we couldn't afford to – go with the best team, go with whatever series we want. It, it basically, my whole career has been uh, 
uh, carved out through a path of opportunity and, and hard work. It definitely wasn't through mm. funds and and buying our way to to do whatever we wanted. So, like I said, if, if it's if your son's five months old, uh, get out the the golf club or get out the the baseball bat. There's a uh, there's far more professional golfers and and uh, baseball and football players than there are people making livings out of uh, racing cars. So I, I'm very fortunate for uh, all the people that supported me along the way and and getting to do what I love. But it's a uh, it's a very tough tough path. So I mean, you're at this point you've been driving I guess twenty twenty or so years, right? I'd say <laughs> quick calculation. Uh, a little less than, yeah, <laughs> trying to do math in my head, uh, a little less than fourteen years, and uh, probably the last seven making a living out of it. That was my second question. My second question yeah. was, when did it become this is paying the bills? Okay, that's that's good to get a perspective on. That's excellent, interesting. One thing that uh, my father was really uh, adamant about was me getting my degree. So going to college and being at the turning point of becoming a professional and actually getting paid was definitely a very uh, hectic um, hectic point because college is hard enough and people have to, to yeah. work so for college it's it's crazy and to uh, yeah be going to, to classes and also missing classes for for races uh, it, wow mm. it was definitely tough to do but uh, it def- I'm really thankful uh, my father pushed me for that because that that degree and the knowledge and and just the business side of uh, learning the business side of motorsports hmm. really helped me make a career out of it. What was your degree in? It was in marketing. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Because so you've yeah. had this is fascinating because you've also had just the race shop time of actually the build time and the understand the mechanic side. So that makes you surprisingly, I, th- I feel like, kind of covered on all fronts, rounded as a driver, which is very cool. Well, again, since I didn't have the the funds to just do whatever whatever we wanted, uh, my career was driven and, and guided off of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's plenty of talented drivers out there, fast drivers, and uh, many of them, or most of them, don't get a, a chance or uh, they go by the, the wayside just from, from opportunities. So you have to be more than just a, a good driver. You have mm-hmm. to be a smart driver. You have to work well with teammates uh, team owners, sponsors, and, and not only that, but for myself, it's what could I give to the team other than driving a, a car? Because there's mm-hmm. hundreds of, of good guys who can drive a car fast, but mm, I was sure. able to coach my teammates, coach the, the team owner who often was uh, my co-driver to make them better. So that mm. was free coaching that they got out of it. I got mm. to work on the cars themselves, so that was some um, uh, leading needing one less mechanic to, to work on <laughs> sure. the car, to, to work on the shop uh, or to work at the shop. And then working with engineers or car chiefs or being the, the engineer and helping develop the cars to make them go faster. Hmm. That was another thing I was able to bring to the table was to help make the cars go faster. So That's other awesome. than just driving a car fast, I was able to bring a lot more to the table and, and bring added value to teams uh, to help the overall effort do better. And, uh, and that that was really important for for my career, and also uh, for the people who don't have the, the funds to go where they want to go. You got to bring more to the table than just driving a car fast. Wow, that's excellent. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this. And as a matter of fact, elements of your career so far reminding me of Brian Herta, who I think was in Champ Car for a long time, IndyCar, and he would help mm-hmm. you know shake down cars, and he was the kind of this driving force behind teams. And now he's, I, I believe he's, um, you know, fielding a team himself or, you know, doing consulting work. I mean, just elements. And like you said, you've got to be, you know, so multitasking and understand mm-hmm. the business aspect of racing because it, it is. And I, I've even heard uh, somebody from IndyCar tell me that, you know, we're in the business of entertainment. And I've never, mm-hmm. you know, looked at motorsports as necessarily that because it's been so ingrained in my life as well, this is just what people do. You, you race <laughs> sure, because of sure, racing. Wow. I mean, this yeah. is, it's racing. Well, it's it's a business, mm-hmm. but it's part entertainment too. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, is very much intertwined into the marketing side, which you understand. And I, I'm fascinated by all this. You know, you, you've got to understand. And like you said, be willing to do that. There's some people that aren't willing to, you know, they just want to do this one thing. Sure. And be really good yeah. at that one thing. And it could be oh, career like limiting. Driving the, the fun part. Driving is fun. That's the, the yeah. competition, the the racing, but 
realistically, that is only a 5% of what a race car driver does for mm. their career. So if you mm. want just the 5% of fun, you can mm. pay for that, enjoy that, that fun. And, and a lot of people who have the, the means do that. And, and that's great, but to actually make a, a living out of it, that's the fun part's only 5%. And the other 95% is hard work. through <laughs> <I'm> kidding. Various. <laughs> various means i mean wow. people are just and, seeing uh, and, the glory part you know when your name's on the news yeah. and you won this <laughs> they're just seeing that five percent and then they associate well that's all there is you just won you're an amazing driver and yeah the end you know <laughs> they don't all see yeah, all this stuff even go anywhere scenes. into the uh strength training the endurance training the physical training sure. uh, the diet uh like i had to lose 20 pounds uh in the matter of six months uh between last november and uh in March of, of this year. And that's, hmm. <laughs> that's a wow. Those ejection <laughs> seats can't cool. shoot you out of the airplane, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> too, too heavy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's weight. You don't want weight in the, the sure. car. So sure. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, I want to get to some specific racing questions about both Spa and, and Lamar here in a second, but I'm curious mm-hmm. just to kind of ground us in the, in the show that we do. What was the first car you loved and what do you currently drive? My first car was a Mazda Miata, the 1991. Here, awesome. uh, I turned it into a spec Miata, raced the 25 hours of Thunder Hill with <laughs> and it. I and I promptly raced it. Of course. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I took it to college. I took a, a caged spec Miata <laughs> to college with no windows. You were that and, guy. Uh, my anti- my anti-theft device was the quick-release steering wheel, and all I did was just uh, turn the wheel full lock next to another car, pull the steering wheel off. I didn't have a parking pass because that just would have been stolen. And if they wanted to tow my car, it would have backed out and rolled into the car next to me. That so, is hysterical. Uh, that worked for about two years. <laughs> that is awesome. I Perfect. love this story. Okay, cool. And uh, my current car is a 2016 uh, Ford Mustang GT. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. All right. Staying with the Ford. I love it. Um, so make make sure I'm correct here, but my understanding is you were a driver in one of the two, maybe there were more than two that finished, but uh, pardon my ignorance. You were the driver of the GT that came in fourth last year at, at Le Mans. Yeah. Am I right? Yep. Wow. And that was the return, was it not? That, that was, was the, the, the big, the big return, return the where, where one of them won and then the one that yeah. was driving came in fourth. I mean, that's – yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the big show. Yeah, so that was a pretty wow. crazy race because uh, from start to finish, it was it was about two years, and the majority of those two years, nobody even knew the the program or the car existed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and I was working on that, and at the time, it wasn't you're guaranteed a ride. It was working on the development of the car, and then over the the course of that, got the opportunity to be named one of the the twelve drivers of the four cars that were going to be. Uh, returning to Le Mans for the 50th anniversary of Ford's historic one-two-three finish, and oh, it was just wow. uh, a huge honor. It was just amazing and great for the the whole team, everybody on the Ford Ford Performance Chip Ganassi Racing to to be able to to pull that off. And it was uh yeah, it was definitely a a tough um, like it was a storybook ending, and you couldn't even script that. And just for all sure. the hard work that went into it, people were working seven days a week. 14-hour days, uh, I, I feel for everybody who was a, a part of the program, and to have it pay off with a 1-3 and, and 4 finish was a, a huge accomplishment for everyone. Yeah, that's amazing. And that race, we've never been, but we've watched various documentaries, we've watched it on television, mm-hmm. we've watched live streaming. I mean, I I, I want to go even more. I, I want to just experience it. Well, but let, let's be honest. You and I are about to do a 24-hour lemons race, <laughs> and we find that daunting. It's we find that Lamar, daunting. No, it, it, yeah, in, in spelling, some of some of the letters are the same, and that's about <laughs> exactly. where it ends. So, yeah, but um, so that's amazing. But then, so th- educate me here, though. This past year, the the the, the Le Mans that just happened, did they run four cars again? And then you weren't they driving, did. correct? I was driving uh, our car. Actually, I led for. Uh, I think a little over an hour, maybe two hours. And then, uh, unfortunately later on, we had a, a suspension failure and our car was stranded for a few laps, took a few more laps to, to fix the car. And, uh, we were, we were out of contention, but our sister car finished second. So that was the highest finishing 
Ford GT and and my car finished 10th. Okay. All right. Somehow somehow I had missed where you were in that lineup. I apologize. Right. Okay. So there's yeah. two years in a row. That's amazing. I that's incredible. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, what's the, what is that kind of a year round ramp up? I mean, what, but uh, this is a question just striking me right now. Between, <laughs> Meanwhile, there's Sebring, there's the Rolex well, 24 of Daytona, there's of course. all these other races. So between the 50th anniversary race and this year's Le Mans, how, is there a ton of changing going on or is it just, okay, beef the car up, we're going into next season? Put gas in the race well, car and we're was, going, right? It's just that easy. <laughs> yeah, that was the first full season. Last year was the first full season for the Ford GT to, to ever exist. So there was a learning curve, the developing the car, making it go faster. But on the, the flip side, the uh, FIA, just like IMSA, has a balance of performance, a BOP. So they monitor the performance of all the cars and uh, and change the, the weight, the restrictor size, mm-hmm. the RPM, boost levels, sure. you name it, to try to even the playing field and sometimes they get it right and sometimes they they get it wrong so (laughs) that becomes a a big monster within itself Mm -hmm. and uh for 2017 this year this was year two for the ford gt uh definitely the the team was a lot more prepared but unfortunately the the rule package going into lamal was just so so poor uh that all the ford gts just did not even have a have a chance looking at all the, the sector times, the splits, the performance. Uh, we were definitely behind the eight ball from uh, a rule standpoint, and it was amazing that uh, one of the cars was able to pull off a second place. Wow. Amazing. Wow. And switching over to Spa, mm-hmm. that was the six hours of Spa just recently, was it not? Yes. Actually, Spa was right before Le Mans. Oh, it was. Yeah, so that's your warm-up yeah. race. It's the warm-up. So I'm going to uh, warm up with a few laps of spa, and then I'll do Lamont. It'll be fine. Golly. Uh, how was the World that? Endurance Championship, the, the first race of the World Endurance Championship at Silverstone, then mm-hmm. it goes spa, then it's Lamont. So I've done those three races the past two years now. Wow. Phenomenal. I'm I'm just talking about spa. I'm getting excited because, <laughs> I mean, you know spa that track amazing. far yeah. faster than we ever will. But, Are you uh, going? Yeah, we'll yeah, be there on our annual pilgrimage trip, yep. taking guests to the Nordschleife, the Nürburgring, mm-hmm. and Spa-Francorchamps over Labor Day weekend in the U.S. That, that track is amazing. Yeah. My first time uh, being there, I just played video games to, to learn it. And <laughs> it crazy? was funny because <laughs> the, <laughs> the team was like, all right, go out, like learn the track. And, uh, oh, this was last year. By the way, uh, we're not sure if it's going to bottom out and send you into the wall at Old Rouge, but... Uh, Make sure it doesn't bottom out and go learn the track. But so, best of luck to you. Wow. Uh, Was I reading correctly? You were in traffic up Eau Rouge. Is that right? I, that um, just boggles my mind. Not sure. Um, but yeah, last year, my first time there ever, my outlap, uh, I put the car in, in P2, and they brought me back in. <laughs> and <laughs> I guess you're, you're good, and then I didn't get to drive again until uh, the next day, so... <laughs> Wow. That was uh wow. That was pretty funny, but that that track is just incredible. Uh there's great restaurants around there. The beer is fantastic. <laughs> the chocolates are way better than Swiss chocolates. They're they're amazing. And uh yeah, that's just a historic amazing place as well. So you guys will have a lot of fun. Yeah, this is actually our third year in a row going. 2 years ago we went and did a a film we called Pilgrimage that was just Paul and I going around and figuring out how on earth did two American guys do this, and right. we're totally out of our depth for a lot of it. <laughs> but after we released that film, a lot of people said, hey, we'd like to go on that trip. Would you guys host it? So this is our second year in a row hosting the trip. We took six people last year, taking six drivers this year, and uh, and we're just excited. This will be our third September in a row to go back and do the ring and spa, and I, I'm still daunted. I, I got there last year, having done spa, and just kept thinking, I'm a little nervous. And the, and the part of my mind's going, you did this last year, but I'm still nervous because it, it just has presence. It's really cool. When you drive up to the track and go under the tunnel and come up into the paddock area, it's just so historic. And there's this weight there. And we're doing it at walking pace compared to Billy. Oh, yeah. But, but still, <laughs> it's still daunting. Street car, street tires. I mean, yeah, compared to what you're doing, it's, it's nothing. But we're still on track. We're still having a blast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have a car debate uh, we should track. probably try to do. Yes, uh, let's get to that. Uh, We'll uh, take a quick break, guys, and be right back. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, 
When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We're back with Billy Johnson. He's helping us do a car debate for Matt. Matt, I think, is in California. He wrote to us and said sometimes he's driving in San Francisco, and so I'm, I'm trying to think that you're in California somewhere. We'll just uh, we'll say Bay Area. But uh, Matt has written in. He has uh, written a lot, as a matter of fact, with a lot of parameters. As a matter of fact, one of his requests in here is his additional goal of becoming a better driver. Mm-hmm. And, Billy, I thought you could speak a little bit to that in addition to everything you've written on your website here, by the way, he's Billy's driven, written car control, development articles, learning processes. So if you want to look at those, again, BillyJohnsonRacing.com. He's driven every car in every class of Grand Am. Unbelievable. Built cars, on and on. So I, I just thought you could speak a little bit to uh, to Matt in addition to debating some cars for him. He's uh, He's limited me, well, we'll say 30K. He can go up to 36K. For this, but it's got to be a manual transmission, mm-hmm. and he's making a big jump here. And Matt has been sending us articles, as a matter of fact, email exchanges with various dealers. He's looking yeah. at Caymans over here, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, saying, "Hey guys, is this kind of the track I'm on? Is this right? What do you think?" And now this is the the big debate here. We've been like his shopping mentors. He keeps sending us little <laughs> emails. Billy goes, "What about this car? What about this car?" And we get a lot of email at this point, and and we love it. We welcome it. Everyday Driver TV at Gmail or through our website, and we say that every podcast, and we are bombarded with people writing in, which is great. It's great. But yeah. Matt, for a couple weeks, had just been sending, "What about this car? What about this car?" And, yeah. and honestly, we just weren't able to to deal with that volume on top of everything else. <laughs> we responded to a couple, but now he went, "Okay, I've got myself focused. I've got myself focused, guys. Now exactly. this is what I'm asking." So it is the big uh, manual transmission thing, and he is wanting to be a better driver, as Paul said, which is cool. He's jumping from like a world of five thousand dollar cars to I'm going to spend forty. I'm going to plunk down. Yeah, yeah, he's throwing it down, which is cool. Uh, so that's really fun, and he's going to do daily driving in canyons and maybe some track work if he can get himself up to speed uh, on that. So um, this is very fun, and um, hmm. <laughs> he, of course, has an interesting mixed uh, car car history. One of them is an Isuzu Rodeo, which makes me laugh, and then the following up up to that is the Perfect 19- car right there. Exactly, exactly right. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. End it right now. Conversation done. We're good. <laughs> exactly. Just get get the rodeo and call it. But I do think it's interesting he then followed that with a Miata. And I feel like this Miata has kind of gotten under his skin as, oh, now I get it. So that's really informed him. Mm-hmm. But a lot of cheap cars. So he has a list of things on here that he's considering. And I kind of want us to debate that list and add any if we've got them. I've got a couple I want to add, but this is quite a list. Yeah, it is. Well, okay, here's the cars he's driven so far. All manual transmission. Okay, as I name this list here, the first gen came in S base Porsche Boxster. He's driven the 2016 BMW M235i, mm-hmm. Honda S2000, Porsche Carrera S, the 997 variant, but he's also driven the 996 Carrera 4S. He's touched on the M3 here, but a brand new M3, the 2015. Enough to know he can't F80. afford it, and it's a bit, bit too much car. That's really his acknowledgement there. <laughs> right. Uh, BMW Z4, and finally Fiesta ST on here. Billy, Todd, and I keep noting that Ford makes a performance variant in every price category you can choose. For sure. From the GT that you've helped do development work on all the way to the Fiesta ST. That's why we keep talking about these cars so mm-hmm. much. But it's so fascinating. And, you know, Fiesta STs are like twelve grand. they They're practically grand pocket change used. at this point. Used. It's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got this list well, here. Yeah, go ahead, Billy. Oh, just as a disclaimer, like I, I drive for Ford, but... First and foremost, I'm a car guy. I've in, I come from import background in, in Southern California, tuning cars and and everything. So, uh, yeah, I'm being as objective and not Ford biased as I can here. So, okay. just wanted to <laughs> despite owning a Mustang, know that. But I mean, <laughs> but you, you even said it yourself. So I'm I'm putting it on you that Ford does have an awesome car in every single category, and and I have to say that it is a uh, great time to, to like Fords because they really do have great products and in all those categories. And you couldn't say that five, 10 years ago. So, I agree. I totally uh, agree. Yeah. 
You're absolutely so right. If I, if I recommend the Ford, it, that's on you for saying it. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I do want. I do want to say the other thing that's going on here, uh, that's coming to us from Matt, is that he wants to make sure, besides manual transmission, that it has really good seats. Yeah. And I also get the sense that because he wants to be a better driver, this is a car he needs to learn from. He wants to learn from. So I want to kind of talk through this group. He brings up that Fiesta ST because he realizes it's his brother's car. He realizes that having driven it now, that he knows now why we recommend it so much. And he was <laughs> talking about he was talking about liking the seats mm-hmm. in that. So I kind of want to go. What uh, what's striking you guys on this list? I've got a couple I want to add, but uh, there, he's all over with lots of descriptions on these. So how do we help Matt? Well, I'm going to jump in here. I'm thinking uh, visiting this BMW choice here. Matt, you mentioned the 2015 M3. You say, I'm not going to buy this. It's too much money. Yes, power, but we can all speak to, you know, the power driving a really powerful car at, you know, far less of its limits or Mm -hmm. a less powerful car and being able to extract everything out of it. And starting off, I'm going to jump off and say the GT86 because of that very reason and a car you want to learn from Mm -hmm. manual transmission and I know you've got a pretty good budget to work with here, but I'm just wondering if you want to get into track work, you're going to want to start doing things to the car. Sure. Driver sure. upgrades. I mean, we always talk about driver upgrades being the best thing you can do mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. your car experience, your driving experience. And you're talking about saving a little bit of money, putting some money aside for possible track days, tires, all that kind of stuff. And so as much as I want to say, yeah, go for the 911 or you know, get something really fast and powerful to start off with, what about working up to it? And so that's where I start is the GT86. Mm-hmm. So I would uh, agree on that thought process and, and lines, but for me, I would probably, if you go down that same path, I would recommend uh, an MX-5. I will, they're the benchmark sports segment for a reason. They have upper and lower control arms all the way around, proper racing suspension. Mm-hmm. And also, given the need for a, a newer car, I would probably say a, a new MX-5 for a low horsepower car that you can take to the limit comfortably and uh, that doesn't have too much power and that you can learn to, to explore the limits of the of the tires and of the car. So you're thinking brand new, the latest gen ND Miata MX-5? One thing that he'd need to think about is, is this going to be his only car? Because if he has a, another car that is his daily that he's going to um, beat up on the, the rodeo of San Francisco. <laughs> I was just there three days ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, were you? Uh, the roads are awful. Yeah, fair <laughs> so, point. So if you have a, a daily driver, then you can probably get a little bit sportier on on your track car or on your uh, Canyon weekend performance car mm-hmm. and be a little bit more extreme with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if this is going to be your your only car, then Everybody's a little bit different on, on what they can tolerate and what they think is fine. Uh, I was perfectly fine tracking and uh, daily driving a spec Miata caged race car and driving it to college <laughs> every day. So but now that I'm a little bit older, it would still be fun, but it wouldn't be something that I would want to live with sure. every day, sure. even though I did when I was younger. Yeah. Um, so from that standpoint, uh, I'd want to spend a little bit more money, get maybe something a little bit more luxurious and something that is capable that I wouldn't have to modify to go tracking. That's mm-hmm. not going to overheat. I need to change radiators. It's not going to sure, uh, sure. burn the brakes up, and I'm not going to put big brake kits on it and all sorts of craziness like that. So for me personally, you kind of have to decide, am I going to go for the all-around car, or am I going to go for something really dedicated towards improving my craft, and I'll have a daily now, if you're thinking the MX-5, it's unclear whether Matt already has a daily. We're not quite sure. It might be the Volvo S60. Yeah, he looks like that's probably that's probably where got. he is right now. Yeah. Uh, so, you're, are you suggesting if he, you know, maybe keep the Volvo, do that, or maybe divide the forty thousand dollar budget up to forty k and get the MX-5 and maybe just an inexpensive daily driver kind of thing? That's kind of something that you have to uh, have to consider, but then that's two uh, cars that you have to park depending on what his life situation is, two cars you have to insure. So you have to True. really look yeah. at it from a, a big picture standpoint, but that's, that's probably one of the first questions that anybody needs to ask themselves is, am I going to uh, get something that's really focused towards driving or am I 
going to try to find a, a car that's comfortable that can kind of do it all. Because mm-hmm. that would change my decision um, one way or another. Sure, sure, sure. Well, one of the things I think I think that's excellent. One of the things that uh, that Matt definitely has to, de- to debate here and think about is not only the usability like you're talking about, but you know how much is he really going to take this car on fun drives because what mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. happens, especially if you live in a big urban area, San Francisco, LA, wherever, where you're going to drive every day in a lot of traffic. Are you going to, cause I did it when I was in LA, you did as well, Paul. Are you going to dedicate yourselves to finding the time to go drive that car on back roads or is it mostly going to be your commute car? Now I can't answer that. Right. Are you more in love with the idea of exactly. that? Or are, are you, you gonna really going to go? Cause I, you know, I used to drive across LA every weekend just to get to a nice road. I'd be in the car an hour to get to the good road and then I'd go do a hundred <laughs> miles or so. Right. But, but right. that took dedication. That was saying to my wife, Hey, I'll see you afternoon this afternoon, you know? <laughs> right. So you've got to figure out, are you really going to do that? Or is this mostly going to be a commute car? I think it's interesting how much he resonates with the M3 because that says to me yeah. he doesn't he, yeah. he knows it's out of his budget he even says that the E90 M3 which I would want to recommend here he says he feels like that's almost too much of a gas guzzler I start to feel a real sense of commuting in this story sure sure so I'm asking that question of you Matt we're not sure about it I actually really like what Billy's saying about you know if you want to go and pursue this let's be a better driver hardcore thing get yourself a car for that and have that be a specialized tool and don't mm-hmm. make it also do the daily driver stuff. So I think that's a fantastic approach. I, in my headspace, want to talk about if you were only doing one car. Okay. And if you were doing that, the big thing I want to say to you, if you want to learn as a driver, I would, I would worry less about the power than anything else. Just because power hides stuff, and power becomes this easy way to just, oh, I'm fast because I put my foot to the floor. Right, right. Eh, maybe. We've all you know. had those guys on the straightaways. For sure, for put sure. Put foot down and leave us in the dust. So you've, you've brought up the, the first-gen Cayman, which I think is a really good all-around situation. Paul and I – I love that car. I, I agree. Totally that agree. That is a great car. And it's a car – I mean, Paul's owned two of them. It's a car that you really could – you could commute in a Cayman. Absolutely. I have, I have my, you know, my brand-new-to-me Lotus Elise, and I'm commuting in it. But if I were sitting and I mean, stop and th- go, yeah, thankfully you're not in traffic. If I were sitting and stop and go, I would hate that car. <laughs> thankfully, I'm commuting actually in motion. So, but I would sit and stop and go on a Cayman and feel fine. Mm-hmm. The seats are nice; it's a good place to be. That, that you know, maybe the older gen right now, but who cares? Perfectly good place to be. I would go Cayman over Boxster if you are going to be tracking it, because mo- you've actually asked about convertibles on tracks. It depends on the track and the regulations and all that kind of stuff. It gets sticky with convertibles. It just, just, it just depends on the track and the yeah, event. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I think Chase Cayman, and if you can do the S, great, because most people that we know that have bought a base Cayman, eventually six months or so later kind of wish they bought the little more power version. But sure, but you're chasing a great chassis, and that's the thing that's going to make you enjoy yourself. Uh, so I think the Cayman is a great opportunity. Um, I have one other one. I love that you brought up the 86, and I didn't have to, by the way, Paul. Thank you. And <laughs> Billy, thank you for backing him up on that because, of course, I'm the guy that sold the FRS. But um, I, think that's, I think that's a great one. I think the Miata, you can't go wrong, even if you wanted to buy, buy it as a date. You know, I'll go this route. What about an RF? The NDRF, okay. you've got the hard top. More expensive. but you, A little bit, but he's got the money for it. You've got the hard top, and you've yeah. still got the track car if you want it. If you wanted to commute in an RF, you'd be fine. You, oh, if yeah, you were yeah, sitting yeah. and stopping and going in an RF, it's small, but it's a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't hesitate for that in a heartbeat. And then also, if you're talking about good seats, decent interior, but fun on a back road, you do need to look at used 370Zs. Okay. Yeah, we've, we've talked How about those before. on overheating, though? Uh, the 350s had a problem with overheating. The 370s, I have not heard that issue as much. And I know the Nismo ones are, are even better. I've actually heard when the 370 first came out, there were some people that were having brake fade issues. So I don't know how yeah. hard he's going to be driving this. Uh, mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. is that question. If you get very hardcore into track, there, that's going to be an issue. I have heard that on the 370s. But as far as... The 350s and 370s are... A little bit of drift monsters, like they, the 370s rear suspension is a lot better and helps put put down power better. But it struggles with the the same problem that the the M4 has in terms of it doesn't put power to the ground. It lights the rear up, and, and I love that. I love sliding cars around. But uh, <laughs> when you when you get out on a track or uh, even a back road, that becomes something that 
to start addressing and starting to modify the suspension and, and making changes uh, with your, your setup, which can affect your, your ride quality and your daily drivable mm. uh, drivability of the car sure. to try to improve an inherent uh, suspension geometry flaw. So I love the, the car, but if you wanted to be a little bit more powerful like that and, and go that that direction, um, I'm going to throw out, uh, again, since you guys mentioned it, I'm going to throw out uh, a new Mustang GT. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think if you're, so, if you're looking in this world, there's no reason not to. Keep going. Yeah, so the, the like I have a 2016 Mustang GT, and I just did a back-to-back tire test with, uh, I had an E90 M3. So oh, really? I had an M3. It had uh, 50 horsepower more than stock with a, a tune, a cat delete exhaust and uh, uh, some intake work. So it was making 50 more horsepower than stock. It was DCT, so faster shifting, yeah, more yeah, gears, yeah. closer ratios. Everything's really good. And uh, both cars, uh, my M3 and my 2016 Mustang GT, this is not a performance package, by the way, with the, okay. the big six-piston brakes and the, the bigger radiator and Mm-hmm. and uh, oil cooler and uh, a little bit more sporty suspension. This is just a base, base Mustang GT manual. Okay. And I had both cars on a Continental uh, DW tires. So it's not, uh, they're really good in the rain, but they're not a track tire by, sure. by any means. So yeah, yeah. both cars, same day, same tire, back-to-back. Which one do you think is faster? Hmm. This is this is a loaded question here. I'm guessing you, it's you the Mustang. Ask. I'm guessing it's the Mustang. And with the M3 having 50 more horsepower than stock, the Mustang was uh, almost a second quicker. Wow, that's wow. amazing. Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, that's that, stock. That's an all-purpose. It's an all-purpose sports car. I mean, the great thing about the current Mustang is that is that. It had the muscle car roots. It still has the muscle car feel, but yet it's become an all-purpose competitive sports car. So I think it's a worthwhile consideration here. Uh, I love that, that you told that because that even talks about to the speaks to the M3 as well, which is great. Hopefully, something in here, Matt, has educated you a little bit. What I think, and Paul started there, and I want to reiterate this thing: if you really have forty grand to spend, I don't think you spend forty grand on a car. Now, maybe right you spend budget, forty yeah. grand on two like Billy's saying, but I think if you're going to go for one, find something that you can use in all categories. And maybe it's an 86, you know, maybe it's a Mustang, maybe it's a Cayman. All of those though, I would shoot to spend no more than about 30 so that now you've got some breathing room for, okay, do I want to do something to this car? I'd agree. And Matt, I had the Focus ST on my list here too. And again, that's not uh, not an homage, not because we've got Billy on the show here, but I, I just thought if you're thinking front wheel drive, that's got to be up there on my list. But ultimately, I think we're all talking rear wheel drive, especially mm-hmm. if you want to mm-hmm. go do this track stuff. And Billy, would you touch briefly on his goal of becoming a better driver here? I mean, he's he's coming to the realization he thinks he, he's not that good of a driver having driven manual, enjoying twisty roads, but then talking, you know, talking the racing line and, and controlled slides and all that kind of stuff. You know, what is your thoughts well, think, on pushing uh, that forward? So that, I think that's great for him to recognize that uh, he wants to improve himself because there's so many people that immediately blame the car. They want more power. They want to modify the car. They want to make the car faster rather than themselves. So they could be, 10 seconds or more off of the ability of the car. And if they just mm. had uh, somebody working with them or if they went to a, a racing school or really worked on the discipline of themselves and not having the ego say, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. I need to make my <laughs> yeah. car faster. I, I commend him for one, recognizing that because uh, he's the, the minority in, in terms of car guys uh, and, and driving on track. So, that, that's great that he has that, that mindset, and I think it's important to pick a car that you don't have to modify, which is why I question the, the 350, 370, is you're having to work on it to make it hmm. reliable Fair point. Uh, and Fair make point. it hold up to the track use. The, the GT86, the, the MX-5, and uh, the Porsche uh, Cayman or, or Boxster, and even the, the Mustang, especially if you get the performance package, you're not going to burn the brakes up. Uh, you're not going to overheat them on on track, and all three of those, or all all those cars, you don't have to put coilovers on to make them turn. You don't need to put big mm, brakes on mm. them to make them stop. You don't need to a good point. change the radiator out to keep them cooler. So, 
it's important to have a car that is well-rounded and can support what you're trying to do and then work on yourself. So instead of things breaking and overheating and having to address that and then saying, okay, I want the car to go faster. I want to spend more money. (laughs) He's already in the mindset of, I want to make myself faster. So it's also important to pick a car that helps facilitate that. So as we were saying, I agree rear wheel drive is a, a good thing. Um, whether you're in a front front engine car like a, a BMW or a Mustang or um, a GT86 or a mid-engine car like a, a Lotus Elise, which is a, a great car. I love those things. And if he has a, a daily driver, I would recommend one of those as well as a very pure track-focused vehicle. For sure. Uh, that would be a great option as well. Um, and also the... The Cayman being mid-engine, very pure, very race car-like. Everything is in between the, the wheels. I don't think mm-hmm. you could go wrong with any of those. Agreed. Uh, any of the options that we've we've said. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Agreed. Well, Matt, thank you so much for writing. Hopefully that's helpful. We have so many questions. People are, uh, I don't know if you noticed, Billy, but people are definitely uh, engaged and asking you a ton of stuff all over social media here. And I'll just jump in here with Scott D's question off of Instagram. If you hadn't made it as a pro driver, what would you be doing instead? Hmm. I would be a fighter pilot. There you go. Nice. All right. And I was answer. going down that path and uh, basically, uh, yeah, we're running out of uh, opportunities and money and, and everything. And it was looking like my career was coming to an end and that was going to be 100% where I was going, and then my career took off, so hmm. went into racing. That's awesome. But fighter pilot. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> also cool career. Yeah, not bad. And you can, But you can see the common thread in both, though, for sure. I mean, that Massive that quantities of adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I've told you this before, Paul, and I'll share it with everybody else, and that is I really wanted to be a fighter pilot for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and even up into college, I went to ROTC and wanted to be a fighter pilot. Two things – worked against me. Well, besides the fact that I really didn't want to wear a uniform, have short hair and march. Besides those, <laughs> besides those, the things that were working against me is when I was in college, they were, they were doing a, a military downsizing and I was at a tiny little non-military school. And so the guys that were in the Air Force Academy at the time, I had a buddy in the Air Force Academy at the time in flight training. And okay. he was being told at the academy in flight training that he was going to have a three-year wait for a seat in something. So I realized You're here I am me. in Podunk Nowhere in ROTC. If he's waiting, I'm really waiting. If he's so at the Air Force was, Academy and he's exactly. waiting, then So that right. was point one. Point two, I realized, <laughs> oh the more I kind of dug into it, I realized what I wanted to do as a pilot didn't really exist anymore. Well, it's like the old Chuck Yeager test pilot thing where it's like, I'm going to go in and try it, see what it does. So Here's a cool plane. You might die, but you might be a hero. Have, have fun. What do you uh, think? So anyway, so <laughs> I realized that that's kind of been worked out of the process. I mean, it's not sure. that it's not dangerous, of course, but it's kind of been worked out of the process. So that common thread, it's so funny you say that, Billy, because that common thread comes back to me wanting to drive cars and wanting to drive cars hard. It's that, it's that test pilot mm. interest I had now plugged into four wheels. So I think that's mm-hmm. interesting you were going there, Billy. Let's grab the question from Luigi here. This is for everybody, actually, but Billy, you've got to uh, address this one. He's asking, with the World Endurance Championships LMP1 class pretty much dead hmm. for excessive costs, where does that leave race fans who love this, you know, the sky is the limit, it's the latest the tech spaceships. engineering. The spaceships. Exactly. Yeah. Where does that leave us? And then he's also asking, where's the best, uh, is this the best IMSA has been since the 90s or what? <laughs> it's one of those rhetorical questions where we're all just supposed to nod, but it's a podcast and you can't not, see us nodding. Not knowingly, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you think about the LMP1 class? I mean, what's your, what's your take? What do you know? The, the cars are amazing. The technology is amazing. And, and the fact they set the lap record with the Molson chicanes, uh, when the previous record didn't have the Molson chicanes, is unbelievable and racing on the track at the same time with them. Those mm. things are ridiculous. So love the technology, but even when you had all three manufacturers running at the same time, uh, it, it wasn't that big of a class. And I sure. think that took away from a lot of the, the great racing that was happening in LMP2 and in ZTLM. Mm. So for me, and I'm just putting it out there, uh, I think LMP needs, LMP1 needs to go away. Hmm. LMP2 needs to be slowed down because that gentleman, that's pro-am scenario and, and kind of a spec series where you all have the same engine. And uh, although we have the DPI, 
stuff uh, that's pretty cool. And and, and so with uh, cars that look like street cars over in uh, the World Endurance Championship, uh, they're all prototype-looking things. They all have the same engine. Kind of boring, and you have a lot of gentlemen drivers in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't have a – I don't think a pro-am car should win overall at Le Mans. So I think we need to get back to the old GT1 days make those GTLMs have an extra 200 horsepower, more downforce, mm. sure, throw some hybrids on there, and you can have a GTLM hybrid uh, if you want in the roll package and, and go mm. racing. So wow. that way like it's like the, the 60s were the, uh, were the street cars and the things that you can relate to mm-hmm. uh, are winning overall. I think the manufacturers would be far more excited with that, and then LMP2 would be the – pro-am gentlemen drivers who are are racing but they shouldn't be faster than the uh the gt1 cars so that's my take on it i I, i'm gonna personally i'm gonna back away i'm gonna consider billy has just done a mic drop and i'm just gonna back away from that question yeah i mean you're right billy to your point i mean the lmp2 cars even are i mean not really but they're almost weaving through the rest of the field they're so fast it's it's unbelievable to watch but it's almost boring i hate to say i'm mm. i'm i'm loath to say that but the real racing is when you're you know the guys in the in your class and it's just it's so much more well earned and hard fought and all those things rather than way out front with the latest spaceship technology as you said and okay great i do think there's something that is subconsciously engaging though by watching a race car win something that looks vaguely like a car you can go buy I think there is naturally something like there. Yeah, the DPI over and uh, over here in IMSA, I, I like that they look like cars. The, mm-hmm. the they look like cars, like a Corvette. <laughs> a Mazda that. looks like a Mazda. Sure, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave asked on Facebook, uh, he asked you to speak to this, Billy. What separates, like, if there was one common technique or screw up, what separates most pro drivers from most amateurs? And obviously, you've written right, written right seat with tons of people. You've written right seat with lots of journalists. And we've talked on the, the show many times about how the range of driver <clears throat> talent among journalists <laughs> is vast. Yeah. Some can genuinely oh, yeah. drive. Some are, I'm, I'm amazed you were able to drive yourself here. And, and the so, talk yeah. is big. Everybody talks a big game. Yes. You know, I've been doing this how many years? Yes. Blah, blah, I've driven so everything. That is the question. What, yeah. what do you see that separates your typical pro driver from your typical, just uh, as, as Dave puts it, from the rest of us? Um, I guess deep time experience and, and attitude. If, uh, like to a point, you have to, or not to a point, you have to look at everything objectively to figure out how to go faster. How does this car want to, to go faster and apply what, whatever that is. So a good race car driver can drive anything fast because at the end of the day, you have your skill set and you just apply them to, different cars, different situations, a wet track, a dry track, old tires, new tires, you, you just apply that. Um, so the attitude of learning how to do that, and of course, at, at some level, uh, you you get egos. Actually, an ego is your limiting factor. So whether it's subconscious mm-hmm. or consciously known, if you, as soon as you think that you know everything, uh, you just put a limit on yourself. Interesting. And there's a lot of pro drivers who are very, very good and talented and egotistical, and and they're not going to really grow anymore. Hmm. So if somebody else goes faster than them, uh, they have to be faster than them. And and whether they get new tires to accomplish that or or not, uh, they're not really going to be any better. But if the driver who, like, okay, you went faster than me, I'm going to figure out how you went faster than me and then Hmm. beat you at that. That's the guy who's going to be faster. So... From an amateur standpoint, the the limiting factor is, again, are you being open-minded? Are you getting enough data from outside sources, from coaching, from looking at data, from looking at video? Mm. And if you're not, you need to do that to become better. So quickly mm. to answer the question, attitude and uh, experience. That's excellent. Interesting. Yeah, constantly being yeah humble and hungry and just willing to learn. You know what? I did screw up there. I'm learning from that. And the guys, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're surrounded by guys with both. You're seeing the egos and you're seeing the guys constantly wanting to learn and constantly improving. That's 
that dichotomy is pretty pretty interesting to me. Uh, what else here? Uh, John F. on uh, on Facebook is asking you, Billy, any more plans in the works to run some more NASCAR? Because he loves seeing you road course ringer guys come in and try to run with the regulars. <laughs> and he thought it was really cool that you raced the Richard Petty Motorsports number 43 at Sonoma. So he was wondering about any more NASCAR for you in the future. Yeah, that was a huge honor to make my cup debut in the 43 for Richard Petty. Uh, that was amazing. So uh, that was really cool. I've done uh, five Xfinity races throughout my career so far. And uh, there's definitely a lot of irons in the fire. And, and like I said, my career has been uh, driven through a path of opportunity. And I have a lot of things in the, the works. So hopefully uh, you'll see me back in some uh, stock cars uh, in the <laughs> I love it. Very cool. I love it. You're Very just teasing cool. everybody now, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, but 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 you're welcome to. We're, we're exactly. more than happy to give you that platform. That's excellent. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what else on here? What other questions did you find here? Well, one that I saw uh, that Alex wrote in on, on Instagram, uh, you spoke to this very briefly, but I am curious because you talked about the simultaneous development of the GT, both the streetcar and the race car. And then every journalist, every journalist, <laughs> every journalist, if I haven't said it, by the way, all of them have talked about it's a race car for the street. But the question is, how close are they from your perspective? And, and even when we were out there at, at uh, UMC that day to shoot, they had one of the race cars sitting there and we could all get shots of that with the street car and all that. He is one of so, the few people that can speak to this. right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. So, so compare and contrast. I, I, we are curious. They are extremely close. The, the Ford GT a GTLM car is a no-waiver car, so unlike, and again, I'm a car guy, but I'm going to start slamming some people. Okay. <laughs> Porsche with their uh, mid-engine uh, 911 RSR, uh, that you need a giant waiver to be able to, to turn the, the engine around like that, but I, I guess they're going to be making a streetcar mid-engine version, or... Sure. Really? Or I think they're just going to do a customer car. <laughs> do a, do a customer car? Internet, Why not? So you know sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. <laughs> we yeah. built one. Well, read it on the internet, so you know it's true. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to offer uh, mid-engine 911 race car customer cars, or if they're actually mm. going to offer a street mm. car. But I think they need to offer a street car because a mid-engine 911 is badass, and Porsche needs to to make that as a street car. I agree. That's kind of. Uh, that's kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh all right keep going yes going, going back to it the the Ford gt uh they they share the exact same carbon fiber monocoque chassis the street car has the exact same fia roll cage that's in the race car mm. so the rollover protection is not a carbon fiber unibody it's not some steel random structure it is the exact same spec roll cage as the uh as the race car wow and the suspension points are very close to being identical based off of the, the rule limitations. So, yeah, the, the Ford GT race car is, is close to the street car, uh, closer than any other GTLM car and probably closer to uh, any high-level race car that I could think of. Hmm. And wow. driving-wise, outward visibility, the feel and the character of the, the street car is a spitting image of the race car. So it's definitely a really unique to uh, be able to drive the, the Ford GT road car because there's just so much of that DNA that is from the race car that's uh, apparent when you drive the car. And since you're a, a Lotus Elise owner, um, yes. I would kind of relate the, the Ford GT as a cross between an Elise uh, the old Ford GT just with the, the torque. And that's another thing. The, the new Ford GT, even though it's a small displacement, 3.5 liter V6, it is a torque monster. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of bottom end, a lot of mid-range, so it really does feel more like a character of a supercharged V8 than it does a high RPM with the power band at the very top kind of sure. feeling. It, it is a torquey car. So imagine mm -hmm. a cross between a Lotus Elise and, uh, and let's say, a Viper. Because okay. I called the, I've never, I've never driven the 2005 GT until that day with you, yeah. And uh, I related that to a, a mid-engine Viper. Okay, sure, so. sure, okay, fair, interesting. I can't think of too many other cars that fit this category, Billy, with with no waiver. I mean, usually race cars, they're the stripped out, completely different, 
you know, they relate in no way. They they share the same silhouette, and that's <laughs> Here, about it. Here's the body shell. Right? Let me, let's take it, take and look what we did. Yeah, fair. I, I can't think yeah. of too many other cars that fit this, and that's that's pretty amazing that Ford has done this. So I'm curious what other really? questions that struck Billy, if you saw any, Billy, that you liked. Sorry, and I want to hear what you were going to say as well, but I'm curious if there's any questions that you saw that struck you. Not off the top of my head. Okay. We answered Kyle N's question about what's too young, as a matter of what's fact. What's too young? They have to be able months. to sit upright and possibly even <laughs> right. walk. I'm just saying these should be the basic parameters, though I preferred Billy's commentary of, but, but you know what? Ball gloves are cheaper. I still think that is possibly the best advice of the night. Yeah. All right. It uh, is. Like, if I, if I had a kid, I'd be uh, sending them to, like, culinary school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's something that there's... Good money in, and there's a lot of opportunities. <laughs> Son, I know you want to drive, but have you thought about cooking? Because we could get you into the kitchen right now. Okay, here's a good question to end. And then you benefit from that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, here's, here's a good question to end on from Chad F. He asks, how does a car enthusiast keep his sanity when he lives with a family who owns three minivans? <laughs> what does he do? Does he need to come to one of your races, essentially, and and – Get a subscription to every car magazine possible, and what does it? What does a car enthusiast do? I think he needs to drop like a, a K twenty four in one of those fits. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the family. Nice. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> well, and I would also say to to that person, uh, okay, that many minivans is insane. Can you carve out four or five grand to get yourself a Miata? That's one thought. Or can you take that four or five grand and start spending lots of time going karting somewhere just to get you into the other end of driving experience every now and then, just to put your toe in the pool, just to experience that? Can you find that money? Don't spend your money going to play golf. This is the counterpoint to Billy's mm. earlier point. Now you're an adult. you got too many <laughs> <Right>. minivans. <laughs> get rid of the golf clubs and use that money to do the occasional day of karting. I'm just saying. That's even- our slogan, really. Have too many minivans? We're here to help. Yeah, exactly. What can we do for you? Yeah, that's that's. I um... I will back that up because karting is is great. It's a lot of fun to to get that uh, energy out there, and uh, yeah, it's for the price that Miatas are going to right now. It's you can't get too many cars, uh, or there aren't too many cars that are less than uh, a first generation Miata, and yeah. Putting the, the stigma aside of it being a hairdresser's car, it is a proper <laughs> vehicle, mm-hmm. front engine, rear drive, uh, upper and lower control arms all the way around, dynamically proper. It does everything you want it to do. You give it the inputs to understeer, it'll understeer. If you give it the inputs to oversteer, it'll oversteer. Yeah. Great car. So, uh, yeah, if you can scrounge up money, it's, uh, if you haven't driven one, it is definitely worth owning. I've had four of them. Um, Four there's of them. a reason like oh car guys. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason car guys uh, drive them. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I, and I want to. You were talking about putting the stigma to rest, Billy. I'm just going to create a headline here. Go By ahead. the way, Billy Johnson, Lama racer, has owned three Miatas. So if any of you out there are just four. thinking four, four, sorry, four so so if any of you out there are thinking Miata's not good enough, I present <laughs> this. There it is. Done. I have a question for you guys. Okay. All yeah. right. Have you ever seen a hairdresser drive a Miata? Because I have never in my entire life. This is a this is a fair question. This is a fair question. Well, first of all, I don't know how to identify hairdressers. <laughs> when they're sitting next to you in traffic, what? do you know? Is there a bumper sticker? What happens? Yeah, uh, yeah. Unless I I don't know. I how don't to... know. Do you if you go to Supercuts or your barber or <laughs> your wife goes to. Uh, a place to get her hair done. Okay. Are there Miatas in the parking lot? That's I've a great question. I agree with you. That's a great point, Billy. You, it's not like you arrive at wherever you get your hair cut, and it is just – it's a sea of Miata employee cars out Well, front. I it's know we're point. here, and I know they're exactly. open. <laughs> yeah, because they're all here. <laughs> yeah, great point. Great point. Fantastic. Well, well, we'll leave it there, Billy. We cannot thank you enough, honestly. I mean, you're you're incredible just to uh, to join us and talk racing and all that stuff. I hope to have you back. Maybe you know, sure. after a few more sure. races or something else. We'd love to hear more cool stories. I know everybody else would too. Mm-hmm. That'd be a lot of fun. And when you're and when you're back out to Utah the next time, you have to let us know because we have to go to dinner or something. Yes, please. Are you guys in Utah or California? Oh, we're in Utah. That that's the reason KBB hired us is because we both live in the oh. Salt Lake area. We're actually up in Park City, so that was the thing. The two KBB guys came out and they needed shooters without flying shooters out, which is why knowing that we were here, they called us. So that's our backyard. So when you're here the next time, man, we're we're getting together for sure. I was there two weeks ago. I wish I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we we know the next time. Well, it's will, all good. 
I will keep that in mind. And uh, it's great to, to be on. Uh, thank you guys for having me, and, and I hope to be back as well. Fantastic, guys. Thanks again, Billy, and uh, looking forward to next time. Likewise. Thanks. Cheers, everyone. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.